Alright, cool. Well, um, yeah, it just happened to work out that on Valentine's Day we are in John 3, uh, which is, you know, a very well-known verse with John 3.16 there. Um, and let's see. Um, I actually had how many it was. Um, in the Bible, there's 31,102 verses, and John 3.16 is the most popular and well-known verse out of the 31,102 verses. That's a fun little factoid. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, you know, like, we, we go from this, like, all earthly holidays, overly commercialized this is how you show love, you know, kind of culture of you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to buy roses, you have to buy chocolate, and like, hey, those are nice things, you know? Um, but to, to be able to um, look at and experience God's love, which is unconditional and um, can't be commercialized and um, about the only pure and real thing there is, um, so... John 3, you know, kind of has, like, I think John 3.16 is kind of, like, the essence of what the gospel is. It kind of, like, sums up the entire gospel, in my opinion, in, like, one verse, in one sentence. Um, but we'll get there. Um, so I'm going to start. Um, so, actually, we finished at John 2.23 because there's, like, three verses right before John 3 technically starts, right at the end of John 2. So we'll start there. John 2, verse 23. Um, this is Jesus and Nicodemus. Because, okay, so right before here, anybody remember what happened in John 2? You can look back. Water into wine. This was Jesus' first miracle that he ever performed, that he ever did. Um... And he, huh? Jesus was a DJ. He turned the tables. And he, yeah, and he cleared the table, he cleared the temple also. Um, out of righteous anger. So after that, so now we're in uh, verse 23 of John 2. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them, because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. Now, he wants to take it from John 3, verse 1. Um, just read through 15. John 3, who wants to take 15 verses, or you can take half and, and pass it. Go for it. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus, tr Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and what that is born, which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Perfect. 
I want to stop there so that we don't get focused on John 3.16, which is an easy thing to focus on um, for something that's well-known. So I want to stop before there, because there's actually a lot there in those 15 verses, in those 15 verses there. Um, I want to just start with, what do you guys see? What do you guys observe? You can start with observations of what happened, of what was said, or you can go deeper and say, hey, what does this mean? Um, questions, comments, observations. Okay. And how does Nicodemus respond to that? Yeah. Confused. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a Pharisee. This is a a religious leader being like, Jesus, how can I go back and stop my mother's womb and be born again? Because I, I've never really been very good at understanding verses uh, 7 through 7 and 8. Uh, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Well, actually, just eight. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is it So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's like, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem to connect as well with the rest of it. I kind of see it as, hey, you don't understand how the wind works, but you see that there is evidence of there being wind, just as it is with the spirit. You don't have to fully understand how it works to to know that it exists and that it has effects. And he's saying about the new birth, he's like, you don't have to understand everything about the new birth before you experience it. Okay, so what's what's significant about this new birth, about this rebirth? Why is it significant specifically to saying it to a Pharisee, saying it to a religious leader at that time? Yeah. Yeah, so there he Jesus is shattering the Jewish assumption of their racial identity, of their old their old birth. Um of like them being like, Oh, we're assured of place in God's kingdom because we're of we're of Abraham's descent. We are we're assured a spot in heaven. Um, it was it was taught widely among the Jews at the time that since they were descended from Abraham, they were automatically assured of heaven. Um, some rabbis even taught that Abraham stood at the gates of hell to make sure that none of his descendants accidentally wandered in there. Um, so he Jesus is shattering this this belief of theirs, or or maybe you know popular opinion at the time of like, hey, we're Jews from the from the line of Abraham, like. We go to heaven no matter what because like it's our blood. That's who we are. That's that's who that's our identity. We are Abraham's descendants. We automatically get a free pass to heaven. And Jesus is like, unless you're born of the Spirit, that doesn't matter. And so and and Nicodemus is a Pharisee, so he he knows the law. He he understands. So that's why he. It almost seems like, or at least I take it as, you know, Jesus kind of being a little harsh by, by asking a question, which, you know, saying being born of 
of the spirit has probably never been a, a phrase ever used before at, until this point in time. So, you know, to, like if I were to have just said for the first time, oh, you need to be born of the spirit. And you're like, wait, what does that mean? You know, and if I were like, come on, you don't even get it. Like, you don't like if, if you can't get this, how are you going to get this? It almost seems harsh in my opinion, but, but he's saying, you know, you, you don't understand these things and, you know, but, and if you can't understand things about the earth, how, how are you going to believe what I can tell you about heavenly things? that you you saying at face value like like sometimes we try to take things at face value or or he was there it reminds me of the woman at the well where where you know jesus is like you know hinting at like hey i know a lot of things about you even though i don't know you like even though we've never met face to face before and then he's like i can offer you living water and she's like cool then i won't have to come back here and fetch more water And, and he's like no like it's not that yeah Verse five. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to open this up to see how other people interpret. But like, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I have several different things about what it can mean, but I want to hear other people's thoughts. All right, I'm gonna go first because. There's, there's basically like a couple different ways to interpret it, I think. Because, but in the context, Jesus is talking specifically about um, rebirth, spiritual rebirth. And when he frames it like that, the immediate thought is obviously like baptism. But I think of like a woman's water breaking during pregnancy, right? Like, being born of water, because that's what he talks about 
beforehand where he's like, you need to be born again. And he's like, how can it, the verse right beforehand, how can a second time, uh, how can, can he, wow, I can't read today. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it almost frames it as if like the spirit is the second birth and water is the first birth. But that's just my little quick take, having never even caught that before. This is like a new thought that came two minutes ago. That's kind of what I've taken to mean as well. Like, your first born into your earthly body, right? Our human bodies that's born of water, water breaking, mm -hmm. you know, labor and things like that. And then the spirit, like, comes later once you accept Jesus as your savior and those kinds of things like we are born of the spirit at that time born again I have this um this one note about the word born again um comes from the ancient Greek word translated the the word again antheon probably pronounced wrong um, can also be translated from above, so to be born from above. Um, yeah, so to be born from above or to be born again, it can kind of be translated either way. Um, and it can, it can mean wind, because that's what he's talking about later. Hmm. When I was looking at it. What? Say what you said again. It can be, or it is similar to wind. Hold up, let me You you were speaking of Zach. You were speaking of being born of the Spirit. Yes. Okay. I, I was saying of being born again. The the word again being yeah. also translated to from above. Okay. But that's fine. I I just wanted to not get mixed up as all meaning yeah, the same yeah, thing. Because I was yeah. yeah my bad. No, you're good. All right. What else? Anything else here? I definitely have something else I want to bring up. If if you guys don't have anything. Alright, verse 14, 14 and 15. Does anybody, re does anybody remember this from the Old Testament? Verse 14, As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Anybody recall that story? Able will give like a quick summary of what happened. Go for it. by the snakes that God sent uh, because they weren't listening then people started dying God sent snakes, they started dying because they didn't listen and then he gives them a brass serpent to save them from the snakes if they just look at it and they don't even necessarily need to look at it in, in the Old Testament it doesn't say that they have to believe, it just says they have to look at it but then they look at it hmm. awesome and then yeah, yeah that, that sums and it then, up and then they, they worship it they end up worshiping it. You learn in a few books. They end up worshiping it, and it needs to be destroyed. So, it's a thing. Shocker. So, how how does that from Moses of the bronze snake? How are they comparing that to Jesus here? What is what is this comparison showing us? Or how do they go hand in hand? If Moses. The bronze snake and Jesus on the cross or a Venn diagram. What's this interlapping, overlapping part here? Hmm? What's that? Yeah? Yeah? Being saved. What else? He talks right before in verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven. Except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Which leads me to believe that the lifted up he's talking about isn't necessarily 
the lifting up that we see like on the cross or something. It's like a a spiritual lifting up, you know, or, or ascension, for lack of a better term. That's what I get. But I could be completely wrong, and I'm very much open to being wrong. I think it's not the last scripture. Alright, well, there's that. Well, I, I think it'd be. Sense, I think. Yeah. Um, so actually, it, actually both. Um, so um, a lot of my notes as as we're reading through, just reading through just straight straight scripture is um, Blue Letter Bible, um, which has a lot of commentary and, and references to it. Um, so I, I'm going to read a a little chunk here. Because um, it's just so good, I couldn't like just pick out certain things. Like, oh, I want to read it all. Um, so this is um, about uh, those verses 14 and 15. Um, so how can it be that a serpent um, from the book of Numbers be a picture of the holy Jesus? Serpents are often used as pictures of evil in the Bible. Um, see in Genesis and Revelation. However, Moses' serpent in Numbers 21 was made of bronze, and bronze is a metal associated with judgment in the Bible, because bronze must be made by passing through the fires of judgment. So a bronze serpent does speak of sin, but of sin judged. In in the same way, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us on the cross, and our sin was judged in him. A bronze serpent is a picture of sin judged and dealt with. That's following so far. That's yeah, it, it, a lot. <laughs> um, okay. Um, we would have wanted to diminish our sense of sin and put the image of a man up on the pole. Our image of man might represent both good and bad in man, but a serpent is more apparently sinful and shows us our true nature and our true need of salvation. In addition. If the serpent were to have lay horizontally on the vertical pole, it's easy to see how this was a visual representation of the cross. However, many traditions show the serpent being wrapped around the pole as, a, um, in the, as this is the source for the ancient figure of healing and medicine, a serpent wrapped around a pole. It's like what you see on an ambulance today. If you, if you look at an ambulance driving by, you'll see, or like in, in any of the, you know, the crosses, blue cross, blue shield, ambulances, you'll see the serpent wrapped around the pole. Because um, it's a, it's that's the ancient source of healing from what happened in Numbers. Um, in Numbers twenty-one, um, the people were saved not by doing anything, by simply looking at the bronze serpent, as you mentioned, Zach. All they had to do was look at it. They didn't have to believe. They didn't have to touch. They didn't have to worship it. Nothing. All they had to do was look at it. They had to trust that something as seemingly foolish as looking at such a thing would be sufficient to save them. And surely some perished because they thought it too foolish to do such a thing. Um, in Isaiah 45:22, it says, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. We might be willing to do a hundred things to earn our salvation, but God commands us to only trust in him, to look to him. Um, and as far as being lifted up, the term is later used to describe both Jesus' crucifixion and his ascension. Um, both meanings are in view, are in view, his suffering and exaltation. Um, so what you guys are both debating, it, it, it's saying kind of both. Or the term is later used to describe both, actually. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all. That. I know that was a lot, and parts of that were really deep. Um, but I thought that was really good stuff. I was kind of thinking about how much, as we were talking about it, how much it mirrors the story of like this, this snakes mirrors the 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 fall of man and like creation because it's in both instances it's because of the poor decisions that the people make Adam and Eve in the creation case and then the Israelites in the second case that a solution in, uh, that, that something bad happens, right? The consequence, the media, the, the fruit, and then the snakes being sent upon 
uh, and entering the lives, and sin entering the lives. And then, um, in both cases, God provides like a way out for the lack of clergy. Yeah. And in this case, the way out uh, obviously is the allusions to Jesus. Hmm. And another like correlation is you know translating like or looking at um you know genesis you know from adam and eve to the story of moses with the bronze snake and then to jesus i kind of see like okay the snake was the the source of sin or, or what was the temptation of sin help you know entered in sin into the world to you know like adam and eve um and then the snake during moses's story is what brought you know, healing, salvation, not salvation, but, you know, being saved from their pain. Um, and then Jesus, Jesus was referred to as the second Adam because just as all sin was brought forth from Adam that Jesus brings forth all salvation, he was referred to as the second Adam. Him being lifted up is the source of salvation, just like the snake. I kind of see, like, all three, like, tying in together. Any other thoughts or comments or questions on 1 through 15 so far? Do you guys see love in here yet? In 1 through 15? I'm not talking just the word love, but like, do you guys see God's love in this? In, in anything. Well, I think the provision is already there, right? Um, because he already talks about um, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, like, he's giving him instruction on, like, hey, here's how you can do it. Um, and then he, as he, and he's obviously having the conversation, and then as he continues on, it's the provision that we talked about just a minute ago. God providing a way out with the servant and a way through their situation um, that they were in. I would say that would be a lot. I was just started thinking of a verse, but I couldn't remember the exact reference. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Um, and close, um, closely related to what I was thinking. Um, yeah, that he'll always provide a way out. That's speaking of temptation. Um, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That last part is what I was, is what just came to mind. What you guys were all saying of God always provided a way out, right? For for the Israelites, like when Moses was leading them, and the the snakes were a punishment because they weren't listening. Um, and then he provided a way out from the punishment of like, okay, you guys are dying by the snakes. Now you have to look into the face of the snake to be saved, which is so creative <laughs> i mean in my mind like could you imagine you just got bitten by a snake and now you gotta look into a 
a fake snake to be saved. Like, like Yana, you're allergic to bees. Could you imagine being stung by a bee and then being like, I, I hold up a, a metal a bronze bee and be like, look into the eyes of this bee to be healed from your bee sting. <laughs> what, what other, do you guys have any other allergies? Any other? Dogs. Huh? Dogs? Dogs? Yeah. Can't imagine. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, in the same way, like, Jesus took the ugliest, most horrifying method of dying. It's torture, and it's humiliating, and it's excruciating pain, and turned it into something, like, beautiful. Turned it into something that that we wear, and we tattoo on ourselves, and we, we like, go, oh, that's such a beautiful cross, and... The words beautiful and cross would not go together 2,000 years ago. It would be like, oh, that horrible cross. And he took something ugly. That's what, that's what God does. He takes something ugly and turns it into something beautiful. You know, rags for riches. And he's saying, when you're tempted, you will never be tempted more than what you can handle. Because God is with you. Yeah. If, you if you allow him to be part of that. I think the key at the end of that is so that you can endure it. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't mean that you're done enduring it, right? And in the situation of... And it's not always the way that you want it to be because you look at the Israelites, right? And he didn't take away the snakes. He just... He gave them something else. They didn't stop getting bit by snakes. Yeah. They kept getting bit. Um, they just had a way out or a way through it. Right before he's talking about, I think, like, there's context for before it, but the, the verse that I memorized is we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And the key thing that stuck out to me when I first read that one Good stuff, guys. Alright, John three sixteen through 21. Who wants to take that? It's a short part. And it has John three sixteen in it. Go for it. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well... This is first John. At first, I'm like, what translation is this? <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute to go first. Oh, my bad. My bad, guys. <laughs> yeah, just regular John. Yeah. 
I'm with it now. Okay. John Zero. Well, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are, that they are doing what God wants. Hmm. Alright, thoughts, comments? We got John 3.16, it's a big one here. Ten, no, 30, 38 Ben points if you have a comment or observation on something besides John 3.16. And then we'll get to John Which part of 18? Is it that second part that, yeah? Yeah. You know, it, it's nice, and it's great, and it feels good, and it's great news to tell someone that there's no judgment if you believe in God. That's a great message. But you preach the second half of that. If you don't believe, you've already been judged simply because you didn't believe in God and His Son. It, it reshapes the, the mindset that a lot of times we get stuck in. Because he he, oh man, he words it so intentionally, obviously, but like he is he was not sent to condemn the world. Like you were screwed. You're already out of luck. You're already up a creek without a paddle. You're you are in a desperate state. You are you have no chance. He was sent to save you. It's not because of him that you're in the state that you're in. So, like, a lot of people, I feel like, get in the mindset of, like, well, if God really loved everybody, why would he save everybody? Or whatever. It's like, well, fun fact, you don't get to make the rules. That's not how it works. I don't make the rules. He made the rules, and he this, this is how he says it works. Um, but the, the judgment has already happened. Everything has already happened. He made the decision to save those who believe. Hmm. He's the the savior character that comes in and like that's, grabs him. That's a good way of looking at it. Of the house is on fire. It, he yeah, in to save you. From it's like fire. it's like everyone is already underwater drowning, and you're all going to die. However, his hand was there this whole time. If you reached out for his hand, you're saved. But like, if you didn't want the help and you you didn't want to believe that he can pull you out of this. Then yeah, you're gonna die. You're already dead. You've already chosen. You've already to chosen to die because you haven't accepted the way out. Is exactly the way of looking at. It. Yeah, of like you're already in this burning house. The house is already burning. We're in this burning world. There is a way out. It's it's you just have to go. Right. You had something else, Elizabeth. Okay. I feel like that's what first. People love the darkness more than the light. Mm -hmm. For their mm. actions, or people like in their actions being evil. Kind of connects with what you said about the mindset having the wrong 
of like, hey, having these conversations with people who are not believers, like being able to say, no, 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 you're not understanding it right. Your life was already a mess. You're, you were already screwed. Like, he is the savior. He's Superman. He's yeah. like, whatever it is. He's not the one who condemned right? us. He's not we the condemned one ourselves. He is the savior. You were already condemned. Um, so I want to, I want to say either a phrase or a question. I want, I want you guys to very carefully listen to the words I say and tell me if it's accurate or not. With the story of Moses and the brown snake, people were saved by believing that the snake can heal them. True or false? False. I would say false just because it doesn't specifically say that in the story. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it's not a trick question. Yeah, false. It, what they, it, it did not say that they had to believe that the snake in here. They had to simply look. So, true or false? They were saved by simply looking at the snake. True. True. Um, according to John 3.16 and also the verses after it, true or false? All you have to do to be saved is believe Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not trying to phrase this. True. It has to be true. All you have to do to be saved is believe that Jesus exists. True or false? Okay. Nice. All you have to do to be saved is believe in Jesus. True or false? True. Okay. I want to make this this this. Hmm. I want to make this distinction clear of the difference between the two. Believing. Believing in completely different things. The devil believes that Jesus exists. Demons believe that Jesus exists. And shudder. And they shudder at the sound, at, at the presence of him. And that's biblical. That's when Jesus walks up to the person who's demons possessed. They go, they shriek and go, that's Jesus. And just send us into the pigs and let us go off the cliff and die there. Like they shriek because they believe they know who Jesus is and they know the power that he has. Even the demons and the devil believe who Jesus is. It's just a fact of life. 
you can say it's true or false or it's fact or opinion, but it's it's a fact. To believe in is what it talks about here. Believing in Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. That doesn't just mean I believe God is real. You know, I, I've asked people before, I've made the mistakes, even even this past weekend um, at Generosity Global, I, I've asked people like, hey, do you believe Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe in Jesus. Like, I, I've asked the question, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, they already, like let's pray. Like, awesome. Um, and I realize that I, I, I've been asking the wrong questions all this time. The question to ask someone isn't, do you know Jesus? I mean, that's a great question to ask. That's a good starting question. Do you, do you, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah. Great. That's a great start. But also, on the other hand, so do the demons and the devil. They also know who Jesus is. Asking, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Or do you follow what Jesus says? That Those questions are very different than do you know Jesus? Do you know who he is? Because to believe in him, there's a lot more to it than simply looking at the snake. They didn't have to believe the snake, they just had to look at the snake. And there's a lot more that we have to do than just, I acknowledge that Jesus exists. Ah, free ticket to heaven. Because I said those words that I believe that he exists. No, that's not how that works. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because if you truly do believe in him, and you believe what he says, that means you're going to do what he says. Because you know Jesus says to love people. So how can you be a follower of Jesus? How can you believe who he is? If you're not doing what it says, otherwise you're just taking the parts that you want, which is, that's religion. That's, you know, that's not relationship. Religion is like, oh yeah, let me just do these things and I'm good. But relationship is not a matter of, oh, I got to love this person because Jesus says so. It's, I've got Jesus in me. And of that outflow is loving and you know, respect and all these other things. Anyone who's had a loving relationship with anybody can pretty easily understand it if you kind of bring it that way. So, like, hey, have you ever had someone you love so long enough, you love enough that you want to go out of your way to do something you otherwise wouldn't necessarily do? Cool, good talk. Like, that's kind of, it's, it's similar. Like, so in James 2 is where it talks about. But someone will say, you have faith, James 2, 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And then it continues on. But the, the overarching point is that he is showing what he believes by what he is doing. And it's a statement of his faith. His actions are a statement of his faith, not the salvation of it, not his own salvation. Mm-hmm. Which there are a lot of different, there are plenty of denominations that will argue in circles around all of all of these facets of like what this means and salvation by works and whatever. I have a video I want to show. I've really been on the fence between there's I have uh, an 18 minute video, um, and there's also an like an eight minute version of it that I just don't like. It. I like I really like the full 18 minute. Um, I just haven't decided which one I want to show the eight minute or the 18 minute. 
Um, I really want to show the 18 minute one. It's it's just so good. Worth it. It is. It's Valentine's Day. Let's just watch a little video together. <laughs> so if you guys want to get in a good spot where you can see the TV. Get loud at a few points with the train. Mm -hmm. No apologies ahead of time. 